Communication and Education. This is our monthly Faith and Life feature. So we interviewed this month Pastor Kevin Cook, who is the lead pastor of River of God Church in Romeo, Michigan. Here's the interview. Pastor Kevin Cook, thank you for joining us today. Chris, I am so blessed to be a part of this, and I'm, I'm really honored. Thank you for the invitation. Sure. Uh, why don't we start out, uh, just ask you a question. Uh, why are you pro-life? I'm pro-life because uh, <laughs> bottom line is it's, it's uh, God gets to make the rules. Uh, and uh, he says that uh, we're supposed to protect life. And therefore, um, you know, the taking of life, uh, you know, is a sin. And, and, uh, we, we need to preserve it. And that's really why I, I'm pro-life. I, that, you know, when God said, uh, be fruitful and multiply, uh, he was doing it because he wanted more and more people to come to, to the choice of choosing him. And so that we could, uh, we could fill heaven. And uh, why don't you tell us just a little bit about uh, your church, River of God and Romeo, and uh, just Romeo for people who aren't familiar with it. Well, Romeo is a, is a northern suburb of, uh, of Detroit, uh, Michigan, and uh, we're about uh, maybe an hour north of, of Detroit. Uh, it's, uh, it's a small uh, established town. Uh, it's, uh, it has a lot of history. And, uh, but one of the things that I really love about it, obviously, is the church and uh, the River of God Church uh, that I have the privilege of being the senior pastor. This is the first time I've been a senior pastor, and I've been doing it for about five years uh, out of the 23 years of, of ministry, of full-time ministry. And I just said on Sunday, I said, you know, if I, if I was going to pick a church to be a part of, just as a member of the congregation... I'd choose this church, and, and I'm really proud to be able to, to say that. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, your experience at River of God, uh, you know, wish, with the issue of abortion and talking about it, you know, in, in the context of your church? Well, I have to say that when I first was in contact with Right to Life, I, I had to to uh, repent because one day I was so convicted that with all the things that I was doing to try to bring glory to the king, I was completely miserably failing at this particular issue. Here I was finally in a position to, uh, to lead in such a way as to make a difference in this, uh, in this fight for the right uh, for life. And I was doing nothing. I was doing nothing. I was, I was sitting back. I wasn't consciously saying, oh, I can't touch that subject because, you know, it might offend people. But even as I had, had been convicted of it, my first following thought was, yeah, but what are people going to think? And then I'm thankful that the Lord 
encouraged me and said, you know, that what else would you do? And we have a responsibility to step up and, and really examine what it is that we're really doing for the kingdom. If we're just doing church and trying to make it nice for everybody, uh, and that's our goal is just to make it nice for everybody, then we're failing miserably. And that's what I was doing, Chris. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I needed to take a stance um, very publicly, very forcefully. And I did so by um, contacting your organization and, and just repenting and saying, I, I am so sorry that for five years of being a lead pastor, I have never uh, invited the organization to say it. I've mentioned it uh, in, in sermons, but I never really uh, grabbed the, the, uh, the banner and ran with the banner. And now, well, things are different. I'm, and I really believe that I'm, I'm doing a better job at leading and being a better shepherd and, and being a better pastor. And I, I think I'm doing a better job of glorifying God simply by being able to stand up in a culture that right now is canceling everything that is really good and righteous. And it's time we stepped up and, and saved these lives. I mean, think of the millions of lives that, that have been lost and it, it's, it's a crime. And I feel really bad for those who have stepped into this area and have made the decision to abort a child and in doing so now have to live with the guilt and the shame when what they really need is they need the embrace of Jesus Christ. I, I always just find it so interesting. You know, my job on a daily basis is dealing with abortion and it is often an issue in the context of politics and it's happening uh, thousands of times a day, but it does such a good job of going under the radar of people, um, elected officials, leaders, educators, everyone. Uh, and that's just what always strikes me about this issue is it is hard to talk about it, isn't it? It is. It is. It's because it's a position that uh, will cause people to ha have to take up sides and people say, well, that's divisive. Therefore, it's bad. But it's not divisive when you stand for the things that God stood for and even gave his life for. He wants us to be holy. He wants us to be righteous. He wants us to walk in his ways and not our own ways. And quite frankly, uh, abortion is, uh, uh, it's just a selfish, it's a selfish position to take. Bottom line. And when when, when we are in a, uh, in it, we're in a mindset where we want to do what we want to do, we do everything, even violently, to st take a stance for what we think is right. But honestly, the creator of the universe is the only one who gets, has earned the right and gets to call the shots on what is right and what is wrong. And in our culture today, we're seeing a rapid decline in standing for the things that are right. And, and that's why, because it, it, it means that you are, you are setting yourself apart from other people and their ways. But the truth of the matter is, God's ways are the right ways. 
So what side of the issue would you want to be on? Right. <laughs> um, so you've been talking, you've talked about it in sermons. Now you're making it a focus. What has been the reaction from the members of your church? The members of the church are, are, uh, are very supportive of it. I quite frankly, haven't received one bit of uh, flack uh, from anyone. And the, but, but some people ask the right questions. Isn't this going to be divisive? And it's the conversation that needs to be had. But when you get to the end of that conversation, there's no denying that just like any other cultural aspect, if it doesn't line up with the word of God, then we'd better get on the right side of the issue. Were you surprised at all that you haven't had any strong pushback? Um, or, you know, you've been the pastor there, lead pastor for five years. Um, were you, were you not shocked? Were you, was it an affirmation that you're where you need to be as a church? Honestly, I, I wasn't shocked because I've been there for five years and these people know me. Um, they know that, uh, even, even though I am very much not perfect, I strive to glorify my King. Uh, he, I live for it. It's why I breathe. And it's not because I'm a pastor. It's because I'm a follower of Christ. It's, a, it's because I'm a believer. And it's not, you know, like I said, I, I, I have no stones to throw at anyone, uh, you know, least of all someone who's had an abortion. But that's, but, but that's kind of the point. The church should make, send out the message so those who haven't yet but are thinking about it can make a wise and informative decision, not a cultural informed decision but a godly informed decision and those who have well then they can understand that we serve the, the only true god the one that we serve is the one who has compassion and grace and mercy while it's not a license for us to do the things that are against god it is how he loves us and that can transform a life and those who are walking with guilt and shame can be set free and restored. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I really want to get into uh, another aspect of ministry that you do um, as we kind of do these podcasts and focus on, you know, why do some pastors, why do some churches struggle with talking about this issue? So you're the founder of uh, Lasting Impact Ministry. Uh, why don't you tell people just a little bit about uh, that? Lasting Impact Ministry was birthed on the heels of a very disappointing time in ministry. Anyone worth their salt in full-time ministry knows what it is to be disappointed and disillusioned at some point in people and processes uh, inside the church. And it's not an indictment of the church at all. It is really a great example of how we're all so imperfect and how much we really need to depend on the living God. And as a result, uh, you know, when you look at the Barna statistics and you look at things like 13 to 1800 pastors pre-COVID uh, leaving the ministry uh, by the gross every month, 13 to 1800 every month, U.S. pastors. And then you have statistics like uh, of graduates going into full-time ministry, within five years, 80% of them will have left the ministry. And you think about 
with the, how we're our, the great commission is that we go into all the world and to do that, we need leaders to do that. And of course, the enemy is not an idiot. I hate to give him any credit, but when it comes to evil and, and uh, division, he is so good at it. And so he, um, he, can, he can cause uh, every force, you know, the powers and principalities are worth war or against, but the powers and principalities use people and personalities to hurt the leaders. And if you can hurt a leader in ministry, you can hurt a whole bunch of people. With the cultural shift, and as you kind of mentioned, canceling everything uh, left and right, I have to imagine that uh, all the pressures before that pastors were under, uh, it's just going to accelerate from here. Would you agree? I totally agree with that assessment, Chris. And it is uh, a complete acceleration of every discouraging and uh, depressing um, factor that causes pastors to just throw their arms up in the air and go, what's the use? You know, whether, and there are so many factors, whether it's financial or it's um, the strain of ministry on a family. I mean, there are many, many factors, but one of them uh, that uh, is becoming very apparent right now is because of the culture, it is so discouraging to see I mean, think about it. I, and I, I've got no stones to throw, but think about all the people that are, um, you know, they go to church and, and uh, the acceleration of people that are even in church that are increasingly getting involved in living together. And you, and you go, well, listen, you know, the best place for uh, people who are sinning against God really is the church. But the, the, the word of God should begin to transform our lives, not be skirted around just to be able to accommodate our lives. It's as if we, we, we want a Jesus that will accommodate what we want as opposed to us following him and serving him and being surrendered to him. So, you found you, that you were convicted about the abortion issue and, and you jump into it. Um, I have to imagine that a lot of pastors uh, may feel convicted about it, but still feel fear, whether it is uh, maybe fear of how their congregation is going to react or. Uh, so, well, actually, here's a great question. Something that's kind of new, I think, is we've seen a couple pastors take certain uh, positions on issues and uh, maybe even on social media, and it's become a news story. Now, I'm, I might be wrong, but that seems a new thing that what a pastor is preaching on is becoming, could become a news story, especially in a cancel culture atmosphere. Uh, absolutely. And, and while, you know, I was saying that, you know, I don't have any stones to throw, the culture has all kinds of stones to throw, and they don't apologize for doing it in so many different ways. Uh, and I, I, I know it can be discouraging and it's one of the more of the reasons why lasting impact exists in order to, uh, encourage and uplift pastors to be able to stand for what it is that they're called to do. And, and in the midst of their weariness to know that there is a God who called them and is equipping them and that we need to have the courage to be able to make the right decisions and to, um, stand for the things that God uh, stands for. I mean, 
my, my church is filled with sinners. I mean, and I'm, I'm chief among them, but it doesn't give us a license to do what it is we do. The word of God should be transforming us. And that's why we try to encourage pastors uh, in lasting impact to be encouraged to, to do the good work that God is calling them to do. And don't be discouraged by the day-to-day -day trials and tribulations or the, or the conversations that take place uh, on, um, in media, in social media, or in the culture. And that, uh, so basically we, we are Aaron and her to the Moseses of the world to come alongside of and to help lift the Moseses of the world uh, lift their arms up so that the battle can be won. What would your advice be to a, a pastor or maybe a, a, someone on staff at a church who's listening and feels convicted to do something about the issue of abortion, but doesn't really know where to start? Well, that's a great question, Chris. I thank you for asking it. And I think the very thing they need to do is they need to contact a right to life organ, the, the life, the right to life organization, because that's going to be, that's going to be the right first step. I know it's scary. I mean, aren't we scared to evangelize and actually share our faith with other people, but are we excused from doing it because we're afraid? No, my Bible says that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And as leaders, we are accountable above others before God as shepherds, if anyone is going to lead the way in righteousness, should it be us? And what would be your advice, say, for uh, someone who is sitting in the pews listening, who maybe is frustrated that their pastor or church seems a little reluctant about it? What would be your advice to, you know, the pro-life person sitting in the pews who wants their church to do more? Hey, you know, my church has uh, got an imperfect leader. And, and so I asked them to do what I think is the answer to this question. And that is to, to pray for their leader and to speak to them and come alongside of them. Anybody can criticize. Anybody can throw stones. That takes no effort whatsoever. I mean, we see that in the world every day. All you got to do is turn the news on. But what, we, what the church really needs is people who will come alongside their leaders and they will speak truth but they'll speak it in love and they'll speak encouragement. You know, a lot of times when somebody comes to me and says, you know, pastor, our church out of blankety blank. And I go, you know, that's a great idea. Uh, are you interested in heading that up? And sometimes you'll get people just go like, uh, uh, uh. but what we really need to do is come along beside the pastor and see pastor, you know what? I believe in this and I want to stand with you and I will do whatever I can do to be supportive. And if I, if you need me to lead it, I will lead it. Pastors don't, aren't busy at all. Are they pastor? <laughs> <laughs> no, one of the greatest challenges for pastors is like, you know, like a lot of executives and, and like a lot of positions, you know, are we managing our, our, our time and our families? Are we balancing that out really well? And it's, it's a, uh, uh, that's, that's a, that can be a real uh, crux right there. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, they are busy. You know, I, I kind of chuckle. I have a friend of mine who, he's probably the guy I know the longest. I met him when I was 16 years old. He was the first guy I met when I moved from Detroit to uh, Washington, Mich or excuse me, Shelby Township, Michigan. 
and, um, and started attending Eisenhower High School. And I remember uh, uh, meeting him. Today, Chris, he's a member of my church. Wow. And it blows me away. And I need people like him that will come alongside and say, I remember you when you were a wretch, but what I see in you today is not the same man. And that's what we as leaders got to remember, that we are not the same as we once were. And we need to become more and more like what God is calling us to be. And I think that can be an encouragement to uh, churches, pastors, uh, church members, parishioners, what have you, that, uh, that, you know, that haven't really engaged on the issue. There's always, there's always an opportunity to do more and uh, there's always a good time to start. And it's, you should never feel uh, bad about, well, I mean, uh, you should never feel, uh, what's the word I'm looking for shackled by, you know, what your church has or hasn't done in the past. Cause there's always opportunities for doing more in the future. It's like when we sin, Chris, you know, yesterday was yesterday. What in the world can I do about yesterday except to change what I did wrong yesterday today so that I can change my present and ensure a better future. Uh, just one more question I, I have kind of looking towards the future. Uh, what's kind of your uh, opinion or thoughts about where, uh, you know, the issue of abortion is headed, where and how churches are going to be playing a role in that? Uh, honestly, I, th I think that the days of uh, just sitting back and trying to avoid the um, the difficult issues, those days are gone. We just can't do that. We can't, we, you know, we're not called to, to throw any stones at anybody, but we just have to speak the truth and we have to speak it in love and we have to speak it with a, a voice of sincere, of sincere caring. When Jesus had a, 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 the adulterous woman thrown at his feet, he speaks to the crowd and he says, you know, you without any sin. I mean, you're, you're right to want to, to, to get rid of sin in the world, but you without sin, you throw the first stone. Of course, the stone started to drop. And Jesus says to her, he says, where are your accusers? And she says, they're, they're nowhere around. They're gone. And he goes, neither do I accuse you, but go and sin no more. It is the perfect example of the way that we need to deliver the message of God's ways, not the culture's ways. Everybody wants to do what's right in their own eyes. And quite frankly, there's a part of me that wants to do the same. But we have to be in control of that. And instead of letting our souls control we need to be controlled by the spirit of God inside of us. If we'll do that, then our churches will change. The homes will change. The nuclear family will be strengthened. And our nation, it'll be saved. We want to thank Pastor Kevin Cook of River of God Church in Romeo for taking the time for his interview. If anyone is in ministry and struggling and want more information on his organization, which was Lasting Impact Ministry. 
they can go to their website, which is liministry.com, or call 810-338-5787. Thanks for joining us this week. There's going to be no Life Beat next week, so we will see you in two weeks. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you.